Hello, and welcome to the 32nd annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Yabba dabba doo, it's, it's Patrick Gremion. Oh my gosh, was that Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade? No, it was Patrick. Oh, <laughs> it was Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Fred Flintstone. Wow. <laughs> Oh, we're man. off to a hot start, so as everyone would guess, it's scent of a woman week if oh, yeah. we're doing if we're acting this hard. But you know, quick, we're coming off of a big episode. May have rocked the Academy Academy with yeah. the, uh, the Dog Day Afternoon defeating the Godfather Part Two. No more Godfather. We are done talking about the Godfather. Will it end up on the regrets episode, Patrick? Oh. Probably that movie's really good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's like the and it's just it's it's tough, man. You know, like in I stand by my choice. I do think Dog Day Afternoon has a better. That's the thing. This is it's about the performance. So you know mm-hmm. what? We're good. I think we're free. Our brains are free of sin. We, we I, made the I, right choice. I still stand by my alpha and beta theory. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're an alpha person, you're going to like God, you'll be drawn to that performance. And if you're, uh, you know, two beta individuals like ourselves, <laughs> you're going to be, you're drawn to Fredo more. You're drawn to Sonny's, like, uh, mm-hmm. weird failed attempt at robbing a bank. Like, if we ever change the name of the episode, the show, we're gonna, it's going to be Two Fredos, I think is the name of. <laughs> the podcast going forward oh god yeah two fredos yep <laughs> two fredos but this week we got a, i think we got kind of a hot uh kind of a spicy matchup would you oh. uh would you agree oh big time i mean two movies like one is you know a totally bonkers film yeah we we i think we we have so much to talk about. I mean, we talked for an hour about it before. We want to talk about it. We're going to go again. Um, and the other one is just a movie that continues to kind of grow in my estimation. So I'm excited to talk about that one as well. But first, mm-hmm. we've got to get to our great guest this week. Uh, we have quite an honor this week. Someone who actually worked on the Academy Awards and the Gold, Golden Globes, RIP, as we all know. Um but they specifically wanted me to say, although they worked for these award shows, at their appearance today on the Academy Academy, they're speaking as an individual. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Academy. 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 Welcome to the Academy. Welcome to the Academy. Maria Walsh Cole. Thank you. I would like to only be re- uh, referred to as Academy. Catamaria. Catamaria. Yeah, Catamaria for now on the Academy Awards. Catamaria yeah. Awards. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, welcome to the show. I, I What a wonderful introduction for me, but we're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to talk about movies that won awards that I have no involvement in. Yes, yes. These, these both predated your involvement with the Academy Awards, and boy... What a time it would have been, though, to have been there when Scent of a Woman was nominated for Best Picture, Director, and Actor. Oh, my God. Especially because I would have been, like, seven. Mm-hmm. I would have loved being seven, working on the Academy Awards for Scent yeah, of a Woman. I think that would have been that would have been very funny. An all-child Academy Awards production team. 
Uh, I'm not gonna lie, that'd be a great like '90s like you know blank check first kid style movie. Like somehow <laughs> like a kid won a contest and gets to run the Academy Awards, and you know he's being chased around by like a hairy Charles Grodin or something. I'm trying to think of what actor would like. If, you know... if I if I had been put in charge at that time. It, Independence Day probably would have won yeah. Best Picture. <laughs> I'm thinking like, yeah, like it probably would have been like, yeah, Independence Day, Armageddon, Space Jam. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have given Space Jam Best Novelty Basketball for sure. <laughs> oh, man. So you're creating awards up in here. You're prepared. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, There's got to be like, I want Best Food Fight. That mm-hmm. goes to Hook always. Oh, that's good. Yeah, if the kids were in charge of the Academy Awards, like poor Roger Deakins would be sitting out there waiting for best cinematography and we would just forget it because it was best like pie to the face one. Yeah, yeah, best, uh, best, uh, best check-in goes to Dunstan. Yeah, well, and but there would, <laughs> there would be a sound award specifically for farts. Yeah, but that year when Dunstan, I mean, uh, Dunstan checks in, monkey trouble, uh, we could have had a serious like real competition Ooh. like a social network king speech level competition between um oh ed with ed, joey yeah. from um uh, friends that, you know a, a run of monkey films that was the peak of that was peak monkey that was a great what a <laughs> what, what a time. time yeah probably a good thing that those monkeys i hope they're all like a, you know a wonderful uh monkey uh retreats or what do they call like you know like uh, um, places like reservation like uh not reservation so the story goes patrick that joey was trying to play catch because it was a baseball movie if you recall oh and um they covered it up um joey threw a wild pitch oh no joey no <laughs> it, hit, it hit ed oh, Jesus. <laughs> I can't, I can't finish my I can't finish my big story. You have blood on your hands, Joey. I'm trying. I'm sitting here trying to Google this movie, Ed. And if you just search the word Ed, you just get a bunch of erectile dysfunction website. So uh, I'm real behind. Uh, it was. It was. It was. Um, when all of the friends were taking like their first movie roles after they all hit it big, you know, like. It was uh, Monica was in Scream and um, great movie. I hope that's a great, that's scary a movies. Very very good film. Um, uh, and there or Matthew Perry and uh, what was it the next nine yards or whatever the whole nine yards. Uh, Schwimmer was in the Paul Bearer. Oh, um, but Matt Matt LeBlanc he went with Ed, <laughs> but he played he played baseball with a monkey. So obviously his you know it went great. Yeah, his movie career. Oh, yeah, I see it won the Razzie Award for Worst Screen Couple for LeBlanc and Ed. Oh, uh, rude to Ed. Rude to Ed. <laughs> justice, hashtag justice for Ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, bringing, we're bringing it back for justice for Ed, folks. This you a- know, this is why people come to this podcast is for hard-hitting Ed talk. <laughs> yeah, we're, we love Ed. We're, we're on your side, Edward. Yeah, that if kids were in charge of the Academy Awards, Ed would have Ed would have had his day. And Matt, for doing what you did with that wild throw, we're after you. Yeah, I know. We're villain of the week. He's the villain of the week. Of the week. <laughs> Actually, I'm just glad it's not like a it's a joke villain and not like a real. I mean, maybe we'll have no. an IRL. We're good. By, by all by all accounts, Matt LeBlanc came off best 
in the yeah. uh, Friends reunion that I did not watch. Oh, did yeah, it, did yeah. either of you watch that? Nah. I, I did I, not watch it, although Matt LeBlanc is in a show where he plays a, a show called, I think, Episodes, where he mm-hmm. plays a dumb actor and i don't think he has to try that hard but it is a clever show like it's mostly about these two british writers um it's the only thing i've ever seen him in where i'm not irritated <laughs> nice there we go i mean yeah, there you yeah, go there we go hey hey matt we like uh you zero to hero of the week you you have officially been your sins have been repented yeah. uh <laughs> total recovery I, Yeah, I can't. I'm looking at all the things he's known for, and I'm yeah. The only thing I could say is episodes. Oh, poor Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, I we gave him a big shout out, but folks, this is not a Matt LeBlanc podcast. No, we're we're, t- we're celebrating Al Pacino here. Yeah, we're walking. <laughs> oh Jesus, that's, that's, that's not an Al Pacino movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> Midnight Cowboy. I I dunked it there. Although that movie would be so much better if he was. I've i well, they were up for the same parts throughout the entire span of the seventies, mm. so it could have happened. Yeah, I think you can pretty much. I still have a theory that I think you. I think I've said this before on the podcast. I think you could take any Dustin Hoffman movie and put in Al Pacino. And I think for the most part, but moving on, this isn't an Al, but this isn't a Dustin. Okay, Al- no, I don't think, I don't think that's true. Vice versa. I cannot imagine Dustin Hoffman in the devil's advocate. Boy, as a thought experiment, it's interesting, but I don't think it would work. That no, that would not. I'm saying, well, I'm saying that Al Pacino could do like Kramer, Kramer. He can do, I think Al Pacino could do uh, uh I would have killed to play Kramer. Yeah, I would have been a hell of a Kramer. Oh, could he have played? Could he, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I believe this theory. I'm gonna keep thinking. I mean, like Al Pacino with Tootsie. I can't see it. Yeah, it's me. I, Hook. <laughs> That's a, the uh, the notable line from the film Hook. It's me. Hook. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I see Al in The Graduate. Nah. I, I just don't know if he could play that timid. That's true. That would be wild, though. Al Pacino in The Graduate, there, I think there's a version of that movie. You would have to change it a little bit, but I think, I think that would at the very least be interesting. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting. I'm not saying it would work perfectly, but it would be like, I would be, that's the thing about Al Pacino is like, even when he, you know, and like, like in some of the movies that we've, you know, covered on this, even when he's like, kind of like in a movie that doesn't necessarily work, he's always like a fascinating presence. Yeah, he's so watchable. Yeah, he's um, just, yeah, he's just a watchable. He might be one of the most watchable actors ever. Like a, it's weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we've talked about it. It's it, the bottom line is you don't know what he's gonna do. Yep. He always surprises you, and that's fun. Yeah, it's cool. He has those Sampaku eyes, man. Yeah. So, uh, Maria, before we dive into this week's uh, two films, uh, we gotta know what is your owl biography? Background with owl, early movies, any cool stories? Just um. Down the line, what are your uh, what are your feelings on Al Pacino before we dive into specifics? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was my best. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. That's the whole story. <laughs> um, one of the 
last things I did before the pandemic was Amazon had an event for Hunters, which is the new or newish Al Pacino television show wherein Al Pacino uh, hunts Nazis in yeah. 1970s New York. Uh, so that was like one of the last things I did pre-pandemic was uh, Amazon shut down a, sh a street in Highland Park and they made it New York and they hired like improv actors to go around and be like, hey, what you do? I don't know. <laughs> uh, they had like a movie theater where they played the first episode and then they had a place that gave you free drinks and a place that, um, yeah, it was really great. Um, and Al Pacino was good in the show. I did not finish the first season, um, but he was good in the show. Like classic Al Pacino, the most I'm mainly think of Al Pacino when it comes to like The Godfather, Scarface, and then the television edited version of The Devil's, uh, The Devil's, what is it? Apprentice? Ad advocate. Advocate. Yes, The Devil's Advocate. So yeah, that's mostly what I think of when I think of Al Pacino, are those we, things. We have had, I think it's because we have so many people of a certain age range who have been guests on our show, almost every single guest we have had has fond memories of the television edited version of The Devil's Advocate. Yes. <laughs> it's like caught it on TNT, was wild. And I remember it. <laughs> it is like, there's That's like a, yeah, there's like a sweet spot where like, yeah, if you were born in like the, the, like the if you were born at like the right time, then like that is like your primary Al Pacino memory is watching The Devil's Advocate on like USA at 7 p.m. on a Thursday. Man, um, yeah, I feel like I didn't really see a lot of Al Pacino before that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but like, I mean, yeah, I saw like scenes of Scarface and I remember The Godfather. Um, but yeah, those were like the big Al Pacino ones prior to this that I, that make me think about mm -hmm. in my Al Pacino story biography. Yeah, he's, um, it's interesting, Maria. Uh, would you say that he, we we've kind of noticed too that he hasn't he he we we covered Meryl Streep in the previous season, and Meryl Streep seems to have much more of a modern presence than Al Pacino does in kind of pop culture, and um, yeah, it's, it seems like his movies have been seen a little bit less than uh, by a lot of our guests. I don't know. I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I feel like everybody saw that. Phil Spector. I mean, <laughs> the, yeah, that crazy yeah. hair in Phil Spector. Yeah. Um, he has like that trilogy of uh, bad people he plays or whatever. Oh, yeah, the HBO trilogy. Yeah. I also feel like I've seen Any Given Sunday, but I just can't really remember it other than mm. like, I don't know, football, anger. <laughs> we're all going to see House of, we're all going to see House of Gucci. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe I didn't bring this up but glengarry glenn ross anyone who ever did theater in high school had a theater <laughs> high school teacher who told them you gotta sit down and watch glengarry glenn ross uh and he was great in that so i feel like he's coming i don't know i feel like mm -hmm. there's a chino resurgence oh coming. we love to hear that i mean we're big fans of that. hopefully the academy academy is leading the charge yeah on that <laughs> Uh, but you're right. I think, yeah, I mean, appearances in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, being nominated again for The Irishman. And then uh, you're right. Everybody is going to see, and everyone is going to see the House Gucci film. Oh, yeah. And including us, we're going to cover it for the show. Oh, for real. Um, yeah. I mean, hopefully at age 81, maybe he's, uh, don't call it a comeback in the modern pop culture zeitgeist. Um, but yeah, he's. He's he's just a blast. 
<laughs> we just yeah we've, we've come to love him so much over the last few weeks honestly like yeah he's like the one actor where like i would be like a hundred percent uh at age 80 because i feel like with most actors i'm like you know you look at your nicholson's you look at your hack we were talking about hackman and um it'd be fun for those guys to come back on one hand but then there's also a part of me that's like uh, you know, I bet they would prefer to just be like chilling in their mansions or their boats or whatever. Like, we don't need them, you know, let them live their lives. But Pacino, like, oh man, like an 85-year-old Pacino. Like, I want like 10 more years of Pacino. Like, I know. I want him still screaming at people at 90. Yeah. Yeah, want- and we got some fun Gene Hackman, I think, near the end of his working career in Heartbreakers when he was like that creepy <laughs> man who was just trying to... <laughs> sexually entice i want to say jennifer love hewitt someone else it was jennifer uh, love hewitt i believe uh sigourney weaver was the sigourney other was the other yes. actor in there i will say yeah that. i think gene hackman had fun in that i feel like that's the last thing i saw him in though <laughs> i will say i saw that uh i remember i saw that poster a while back and it may be if you're ever bored go on wikipedia go on heartbreakers the wikipedia page <laughs> Might be one of the most insanely photoshopped posters. Isn't Gene, isn't Gene like leaning off the side of the poster, like just tipping his hat or something like that? It looks insane. I need to, I might, okay, here we go. Uh, I, I, I'm not, okay, I'm not going to make it my background. I can't do that. It's not that type of show. You can't see it. But like, <laughs> it looks like they just like photoshopped Sigourney Weaver and and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's heads onto just random bodies. Nothing uh, about it feels right. Uh, Patrick, there's a dark... I'm sure they did. Yeah. There's a dark story behind Heartbreakers too, Patrick, that I hate to reveal to you, but... Uh, oh, no. Matt, La- Matt LaPlanc was playing catch with Jennifer Love Hewitt oh, God. one day on set. And- no! <laughs> Another wild pitch! No! Oh, no! Matt, you can't do this! <laughs> You're not good at baseball. From hero to zero to hero back to zero. Yeah. Oh, but you know, I think Matt LeBlanc could have played. Oh, it doesn't work. He can't. I oh, can't. he's smoking. That would not be allowed with Disney. Yeah, but that's just smoking reason. would be difficult on it. I mean, you can't get away with smoking anymore on yeah. a lot of things, especially not on a poster. Yeah. I don't know how they did that. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at the Heartbreakers poster now. Um. It's it's chaos. We'll, we'll post. But it was a cute movie. It was like, <laughs> I'm going to give it that it was a cute movie that I enjoyed that I watched out, more than once. Okay, 10 out of 10. The Academy Academy. You heard it your first. Watch Heartbreakers. <laughs> Gene Hackman right. wins the... Okay, have you, have you seen Heartbreakers, though? Have I, you seen Heartbreakers? No, I did not. I missed Heartbreakers. Okay, it was a fun... I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, the two of them are con women. Oh. Okay, breaking the glass ceiling. <laughs> okay, there we go. I, I yes. would not have expected this plot. It didn't look like a no, con yeah. artist film by the poster. It's a mother-daughter con artist thing. Oh. So Sigourney Weaver sexually attracts the man for marriage and then brings in Jennifer Love Hewitt to make it look like he's cheated. And then they get a quickie divorce where she makes off with all the money because she has proved that her husband has cheated with who her husband doesn't know is her daughter. Oh, and then they just keep doing that and they find Gene Hackman and he apparently is worth a lot of money and this is the big one but then Jennifer Love Hewitt falls in love with a young oh god it's the guy from oh, what was that show Jason Lee oh, yes Jason Lee a young Jason Lee thank you oh, Earl 
Earl, Earl himself. Earl. <laughs> the the <laughs> titular Earl. Yeah. And Earl brings her out of the life of crime, maybe or maybe not. Who knows? Uh, well, uh, it sounds to me like uh, we gonna have, we might have an Academy Academy first. Heartbreakers <laughs> defeat Scent of Woman <laughs> and <laughs> Donnie Brasco. Yeah, it's going in. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not that hard to defeat one of these movies, though. <laughs> but which one? <laughs> All right, let's dive into it. Yep. We we got a lot to talk about. Yep. There's uh, th- these two movies. At least one of them, I can guarantee, there's a lot to talk about on. Um, we're going to start off 1992, Scent of a Woman, directed by Martin Brest, screenplay by Bo Goldman. Interestingly enough, suggested by a character from Pufumo di Donna by Rogero Macari and Dino Risi. And it's also based apparently on a book beyond that. Uh, so a lot of iterations. Starring, co-starring with Al Pacino, of course, Chris O'Donnell, James Rebhorn, Gabriel Anwar, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Bradley Whitford, June Squibb, Francis Conroy, and um, special shout out to uh, Nicholas Sadler and Todd, Todd Luiso as the two scumbags with the paint. Um, the film has an 89% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The site says it states. It might soar on Al Pacino's performance more than the drama itself, but what a performance it is. Big, bold, occasionally over the top, and finally giving the Academy pause to award the star his first Oscar. The film was nominated for Best Screenplay, Best Director, Best Picture, and Best Actor, winning Al Pacino his first and thus far only Oscar. It should also be noted by the now shamed Golden Globes. It won Best Screenplay, Best Actor, and get this, Best Motion Picture Drama. Um, I want to lead off real quick with a, a, a reading from Karina Longworth's Al Pacino book about Scent of a Woman. Learning to dance the tango was just part of Pacino's highly physical approach to the role. Playing a blind man who spends the bulk of his screen time either wearing dark glasses or gazing blankly meant that Pacino lost access to his eyes, which from the godfather to sea of love had been his most reliable tool for adding depth and irony to even thinly written material. Just as a blind man learns to be more, more to more strenuously exploit his remaining senses, Pacino amplifies the assets he has left, his body and his voice. Pacino's Frank watch, walks hunched at the neck, his shoulders and face are often so stiff you could mistake the character's disability for palsy or paralysis. In contrast, his voice is all over the place, his twinge of southern accent inconsistent, statements crescendoing up as if at random. These elements combine to form a bizarrely mesmerizing presence. Pacino's Frank doesn't exist exactly communicate instead he storms into spaces and changes the temperature of the room but because the performance maintains such an even level of overkill Pacino is only really affecting in rare moments of reflection I think she um does an excellent job with summing up the surface of what Pacino does in this film uh had you seen this movie before Maria no, I did read two fun facts on mm-hmm. Amazon X-Ray while I watched it. Number one, Martin Brest um, said that he denied um, any ownership or to take any part in the made-for-airplane movie of Central Woman. 
apparently he was so disgusted with the editing. And number two, it took two weeks to train for the tango and three days to film it, which feels insane. What, what also feels insane is that, you know, I this movie came up with my dad the other day. And dad, my dad's like, it's got that great tango scene. Everybody remembers the tango scene as some sort of like seductive move, big movie star turn. And I just find it very strange and uncomfortable. What about you two? Oh, it's... I can't be led in a dance. <laughs> so I don't know how they did. Like, I, I've always had that problem. I just can't follow. Um, so, like, anytime I see a perfectly executed dance like that, where the woman is just like, I'm just following him. I'm like, I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was weird. It was weird the whole it's... time because he was kind of trying to kick, hook up uh, Charlie with this woman. But then he was like, I guess I'll take her. Yeah, kind of yeah. trying to hook up with her himself. I mean, I, I, I'm still firm in terms of Academy Academy tango scenes. I'm taking Harry Tasker in True Lies yeah. as my favorite tango scene. Still, that's still number one in my book. Oh, man, I, at, some, at a certain point, so like, I'm going to say that like with Slade's performance is so all over the place, or his character, I guess. Um, like, it seems like I was try at a certain point, I tried to make a list of like traits that his character had just to kind of like paint a picture for this character to see like if he was like more than like the sum of the actions he does on screen because it just, he just seems like there's nothing like keeping this character together, it feels like, at least until like maybe the very end of the movie um, during one of the more climactic scenes, but uh, a list of traits I wrote down to, de to describe Frank Slade uh, include uh, horny, asshole, Snoopy, <laughs> loves to make odd outbursts, weirdly possessive, hopeless romantic, again, horny, addicted to speed, the magnitude, not the drug, uh, <laughs> not afraid of death, in fact, wants to die, evil man. I put that in caps. I don't remember what that was. When did you, yeah, when did you write that scene? <laughs> I think maybe, I think that was during the climactic, the, the climactic scene, uh, when uh, when Chris reminds him about tangoing through life and whatnot. Well, the two, you know, two traits. You could drive a Ferrari and tango better than anybody I ever seen. So live. Live. Oh, man. And then uh, tell it how it is. Totally nihilistic. And then the last thing I wrote was uh, Wonka-esque. <laughs> <laughs> he does have Sorry. like... Yeah, he's like, oh, he's kind of like a Wonka-ish in the sense that like he's like a total... Well, he, he, wa he wants to play him like a Wonka type character in the sense that he wants him to be like this, like irascible dick who's kind of like mean, but then is also like also lovable. And I think that Gene Wilder did a better job with that as Wonka than he did as Slade. I don't think he has that. Like, it's like, oh man. Like well, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory took place in a fantasy world in which the most important business in the entire universe <laughs> was a chocolate factory. That is true. That is <laughs> and this. And Scent of a Woman takes place in the United States of America, where the most important place is a Ferrari dealership. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It is a, um, it is just a, this movie I find just to be a real trip because, you know, 92, I was 10. So I do remember when this came. I didn't see it when it came out, but I remember when it came out. And I remember kind of like the kind of hype 
and mm-hmm. buzz and critical acclaim around it. And finally seeing it, you know, now seeing it a few times, but you know, I originally saw it in high school and then recently just like, this is a, such a strange, totally all over the place, semi incoherent movie. That is just a bunch of like really long scenes that could have been trimmed down. Yeah. Uh, all in service of trying to hit like heart tugging notes or dramatic notes, but not really like meshing together particularly well. It can be so like modeling and treacly with its score uh, and just the subject matter in general. But then the main character is so unlikable. Like, Slade fucking sucks. I hate this man so much. And it's so funny because the first time I watched this, I I remember, like, thinking, like, I kind of was in his corner by the very end. Like, I was won over by the uh, that, like, crazy, you know, uh, child court scene or whatever, the ending school law. Yeah, um, speaking of kids court. Yeah, kids court. Yeah, school law. <laughs> But, uh, school law. <laughs> uh, it's little Jerry Horback. Uh, little uh, Sam Watterson. Oh, I loved you. Chinese coffee. Yeah, and little Chinese coffee. <laughs> Chinese coffee, babies. <laughs> but uh, like, it's just like it's one of those things where, like, the second time going around, like, there were moments where it just felt uh, interminable. Like, it was just like. It, it just like the charm that I had, like the just like I, maybe part of it's just like when you watch this movie, it is kind of like this fun like flashback to like the '90s, where like back when like a movie like this could be made, and there's something fun about like being in a movie like this for a moment, and like you know just kind of like just seeing a weird film that's uh, like a star-driven performance. It's not like mm-hmm. yeah, this isn't like a fucking Bumblebee movie or a or a uh, fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, it's not like, it's not like adapted, it's not like a property that's being adapted or whatever. Um, but then like- the Why second- don't you think it couldn't be made today? Sorry, I just want to- Oh, I think, I just think, I think a movie like this, it could be made today, but it would be made on like Netflix and it wouldn't, it would look like a TV show. Like you wouldn't have a movie made this way with this scope today. I don't think it would be nearly three hours long. Yeah, I would argue. I like, agree, agree on that 100%. Yeah. But you were and, going on to act two. Yeah. And I mean, and I think, yeah, like I said, like I can see, yeah, because I can see like, yeah, I can see like a, a version of this movie being, but it would, yeah, it'd be like 90 minutes and it would be like filmed like an episode of The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. One thing to note too about the today versus when this came out is that this movie made $134.1 million at the box office when it, it was a huge hit wow. in 1992 terms. Like this was kind of the movie your parents went to go see together when they got a babysitter kind of movie. Yeah. And, and kids around America were blinding themselves to become like Frank Slade. Yeah, I was Frank Slade for Halloween. No, really? No, I was not. Okay, I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I had my... You wore your dress blues and carried a gun. Yeah, I, I made my and I made my brother drag me around New York as Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> uh, and on that note, I want to give a shout out. Like, I like Chris O'Donnell in the film. I think um, he plays like a teenager really, really well. 
who's like very impressionable in desperate need of a dad. Uh, Maria, before we jumped on, brought up the point that this is our, uh, this might as well be the uh, Academy Academy Father's Day episode. And uh, boy, we got some surrogate fathers up in here big time. But I just think, um, I think I, I really liked what Chris O'Donnell brought to it. It made you kind of buy that Frank Slate might be semi-charming. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I really liked Chris O'Donnell in this too. And I kept thinking about how much I liked Chris O'Donnell versus how I felt about someone else in another movie uh, <laughs> that we'll discuss later. Um, but yeah, like I thought he was really sweet. I thought he was age appropriate. I'm the only thing I almost wanted because it just kept getting brought up was I was like, throw a pimple on that face. Because yeah. they just kept saying like, does he have pimples? And he would say a few, but he is like the most beautiful, perfect skin in this movie. Yeah, he, I wanted uh, to throw a pimple on there. He borrowed his roommate's Clinique, if I remember correctly. He did. He borrowed <laughs> his roommate's Clinique, and now his skin is perfect. But like, mm-hmm. if I, I don't know, I was just surprised. He was constantly like, well, my skin's okay. I wish he had said, I am glowing. I am luminous, Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah. I, I look like a handsome young movie star. That's what I look like. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. My, my, sin is, my skin is semi-see-through like an Arctic fish. I'm handsome enough. I'm gonna get cast in a Batman sequel in just a few years. Yeah, it is. Yeah, God, he like aged like significantly in like those two or three years. Yeah, I think he probably was trying not to be as boyish as he is here, and like I can play man parts. Yeah, and, um, uh, man. but like, but there is such like because so many uh, like I hate I we watch um. Like on our lunch break from work around here, we watch like sitcoms because it's a half hour. Right. And, you know, they pass the time. But the the level of like precocious kids who know their lines too well and have like huge vocabularies are just so annoying to me on those sitcoms. And this this kid, yes, he's handsome, but he felt like a like a human being smart yeah. yeah he felt like a human a real human being and, like someone yeah. i may have known in and, high school and a bumbling high schooler too because the first thing the mom says to him is don't call him sir and yeah. he immediately turns around and it's like oh sir oh shit but he played he pulled it off he pulled it off better than i think a lot of other people would have one thing to know too is um, Al Pacino did not name too many names when he gave his academy awards acceptance speech but for one of the first people he thanked was chris o'donnell for being such a wonderful scene partner for him and That's so sweet. but on that note i the second time through watching this movie i truly think although it would have ruined al pacino's tour de force like chew up everything in sight performance this movie is about charlie and he is the lead character and frank should have been a, the support a supporting character to charlie's journey yeah a hundred like and it, it's weird that he takes the lead in the climactic final scene and like yeah he's like the hero that saves Char- like she doesn't get to like save himself like charlie doesn't get to like have his yeah moment of growth but that's why a tale of two dads once again like <laughs> it just goes back to him being like yeah my dad left us we have a stepdad and i don't really like him and then he goes up in front of the entire school. And who is he against? Philip Seymour Hoffman and Philip Seymour Hoffman's very rich dad. And he's sitting up there alone, fatherless. <laughs> and then who shows up to play his dad 
Al Pacino. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, Al Pacino should not have eclipsed him, but like, I can't imagine if the actor had been like stronger or had taken more screen time away from Al Pacino if it would have been as effective of a movie. Like, mm -hmm. if it was some like, I don't know, I'm trying to imagine like who would they cast now? I'm like, oh, Chris Pratt, but, like five years ago. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, and I and I think like, yeah, maybe like. That's the point. Like, this is like a dad fantasy film. Well, it may have been why it made, you know, $134 million by dads going to dads yeah. liking this. Like, my dad likes this. Oh, movie. totally. This is, like, <laughs> this is like, like, you watch this and you're like, that's like, I want to be a cool blind Ferrari dad. Like, yeah, I want to yell at the rich kids, fuck you too. Yeah, I want to be, yeah, I want to be the, the coolest person in child court and everyone, you know, mm. raises me well, up. You know, I think that the fix would be, but it really changes the movie dramatically, is that uh, Frank dies. Yeah. And Charlie has to be mournful, but then go back to school, and he has to find confidence and make his own speech in his own defense and Charlie stand for himself. Charlie would break down. Charlie would <laughs> yeah. I mean, Charlie would yeah. just be still in that hotel room holding <laughs> two cigars and just crying. <laughs> just I fade to black. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, George, hey. George Senior, George Junior, you win again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman's just dancing in the. Yeah. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> They're gonna go to um, what was the sugar? Harvard, our sugar mountain, sugar, sugar hill. Well, they're just gonna enjoy another sugar ski bush. trip together. Yeah, yeah. sugar bush. But yeah, speaking yeah. of Bush, though, Patrick and I definitely feel that most of these characters ended up working actively to promote the Iraq war for George yeah. W. Bush in about <laughs> like, yeah. 20 years. <laughs> like Harry Habermeyer was definitely like David Frum's intern or like yeah. Bill Crystal's water boy or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All I mean, of these. I, I want to know what happened to Charlie after he showed up the headmaster and that other kid. I mean, because the kid's dad was connected at Harvard mm -hmm. and the headmaster was also connected at Harvard. And I mean, like, I know he had this great moment of integrity and greatness, but like, did he end up going to, I don't know, where are they? Bard? Bernard? Baird. Baird. They're Baird, Baird. men. They're Baird yeah. men. <laughs> did he end up going to like commun Baird Community College? <laughs> like what happened to him after all of this? Oh, yeah, he, I, I, that's a great question. It, yeah, that crossed my mind as well as this. I thought of like, Charlie does have to go to school like on Monday and yeah. deal with these bullies <laughs> and, and the James headmaster who, James Redport, who hates him. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing too, it's so weird. I, 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 I had to write this down. I was like, uh, one of my notes for the second watch through was like the teachers acknowledging that Charlie did the right thing is weird because if that were the case, they wouldn't have done something like that in the first place, right? Like the, like they wouldn't have put Charlie in this. It's it, it makes it. It's this weird. court scene. This court scene is truly fucking nuts. Yeah, well, like, it, 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 it is it, child court. It's the, they're yeah. at the school. <laughs> They're at the high school and they've said, okay, no one in this whole freaking high school is going to class or yeah. going on recess or going to lunch until one of you two kids tells us what happened with the Jaguar. And then they bring the two kids up and then all of the kids have to watch. And the idea is that they'll just sit there until someone says something. And every single person there knows who did what the, the, the thing to the Jaguar. There's yeah, no yeah. question of who did it. Yeah. It's so the three asshole kids who are like, shh. 
from the third row. Yeah. Not being subtle at all. Yeah, but it's like it's 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 just it's just crazy because like he's there to like um he's in trouble because he didn't tell the truth, but then everyone ends up respecting him because he didn't tell the truth. It's just it's just bonkers. It's really interesting. No, it's- it was he didn't snitch. Yeah. Yeah. That was but- the first thing Al Pacino screamed. It's not a snitch. They love snitches and Baird. I this is this is hot poppycock. Karina Longworth in the book also brought up an interesting point is he's like, one of the first things he says, he didn't sell out. And it's like, well, you are Al to win an Academy Award here. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Bring the heat, Karina. Yeah, yeah. She's she was not she's not impressed with um with this film it's so funny i'm like that that anatomy of an actor book that al pacino uh, it's i love that like i think like only like what how many are uh roles do they cover like eight ten it covers ten and she seems to like two of them. yeah that's just to say like i think like it's like one out of five or like three out of ten of those roles she's like she she wrote an entire book to be skeptical of al pacino basically yeah. <laughs> uh that's funny but I just yeah, feel like Al Pacino's voice in this movie was fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah, Weird, over the wall, over like it's like a southern draw, but then it's not. And it's it, all it, over the place when it comes to tone and volume. It sounds like he's singing some of the time. Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah. It's it, it does feel like uh, it almost sounds like Frank Caliendo's impression of Adam Sandler taken down like by 10 decibels like if you like <laughs> lowered frank caliendo's impression of adam sandler like scooby dooby uh, what do like it's just it's it's very bizarre but I, mm-hmm. I i like it it's fun i mean it, it it's it, it is so he's at a 10 yeah for two and for two hours and 40 minutes which without is... slowing down at all which is kind of impressive yeah i mean it's well there is one scene where he's tired of it. And now I'm trying to think of any scene where he was tired. He just says, I'm tired, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, that, but that go doesn't that lead right into the I'm in the dark here. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh well that actually is the scene that leads into the Ferrari. Yeah. And then he's yeah. Yeah, he gets the Ferrari and then he's but he's still gonna shoot himself. And then there's the 15 minute I'm in the dark here scene. Yeah. No real, I'm sure someone had to bring this up, but both of these movies, like, no real women characters. Mm, like, no. All of, the, all of the women in both movies, but right now, I'll specifically talk about this one, and then I'll talk about the other one later. But yeah, it's just men, and, like, I kept it waiting for, like, a woman to come in who would, I don't know, like, inspire him. And I mean, like, they all seem to. I mean, that's what he says at the end, that he wants, that he dreams of a woman's arms and legs around him. Like, that's his one dream for the future. <laughs> he is so unsettlingly horny. He is like... Yeah. He is, and it's like, it's like, and the thing too is like, he feels like he wants to die because he thinks no one will like, like day, like he thinks he'll never have sex again. I think that's like his. It's crazy. 
Well, he also may have blown all of his money on this trip. Yeah. Like, all of yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> like totally. Like, the Waldorf Astoria, the $24 burgers, this is the 90s. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. But now he's, now he's best friends with his grandnieces, and uh, he can just live in that shack forever. Oh, yeah. Not to mention uh, the driver, Manolo. Yeah. Who, I was, you know, there are things people can be sad about. I was sad that that actor does not have a Wikipedia page. Yeah, I was sad that because uh, he's guy... fun. He's fun in the movie. I like him. I like I him as do. part of like their team. He, oh, good third wheel. Yeah, yeah. There's like a lot of actors in this movie that just have only acted in this movie. It feels like, <laughs> like pretty much the, um, yeah, the whole family. <laughs> we should, yeah, well, we should bring up uh, when he goes to his brother's house for oh, Thanksgiving because I thought that there was at some level he was gonna come and like for some reason I had it in my head, even after having watched the movie that it was kind of about like, Oh, making up with my brother. It's, it's, it's just to go there to be a dick. It seems. Also, I kept forgetting it was Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but like, I just kept forgetting it was Thanksgiving. And then I was like, Oh yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> like I just would have expected to see more, I don't know, stupid Christmassy stuff or like them having to go through the Macy's holiday parade in New York city the day after <laughs> Okay. I mean, that would have been fun. The movie would have been infinitely better. Like I would give it like another star if at one point when they were on the Ferrari they drove through the Macy's parade. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. and really disrupted it. Like yeah. <laughs> sent Mighty Mouse. They all had to let, let go and Mighty Mouse flew up to space. Yeah, the giant the giant a giant blow up Dick Tracy yeah. goes in the oh. air. Or perhaps nod. the, or perhaps one of Dick Tracy's associates. Oh, that's a callback. A callback to last. Callback. Episode. It's a callback. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just like he goes. They go to Thanksgiving dinner. His brother seems embarrassed. He beats up Bradley Whitford, and then they leave. Yeah. Well, and I think like well, Bradley Whitford would not remember Charlie's name. <laughs> no. That was the big thing, was that Chuck, Al Pacino he, could go around not knowing anyone else's name, but he was like, don't call that to my Charlie. Yeah, nope. that's where we knew it's changing. He's like, I love Charlie. He's, he's my new here, my son. <laughs> I mean, he does literally say before almost killing himself, should I adopt you or kill myself? Uh, and then he like points the gun at Charlie too. That's when, that's when I was like, you lost me. You lost me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everything before then, it was fine. But now- Patrick, have you never heard of a murder-suicide? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Never mind. You, you got me back. Okay. Hey, come on, Patrick. Yeah, we've he all been there. He wanted them to get two cigars, okay? He wanted <laughs> them both to enjoy it. Yeah. You're going to follow me to heaven. Oh, but the, the crazy part in the original script that is what happened. And James Rebhorn continued with the trial, and it was just an empty desk yeah. across from <laughs> Phil, Phil Hoffman and his and dad. Then, and, then James Re- and then James Rebhorn and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, they danced on the piano from Big together. But you want to know the crazy part? Mm-hmm. Charlie still got off, and he still got a standing ovation. <laughs> yeah. His force ghost watches and, yeah. and nods knowingly afterwards. <laughs> By the way, even though she is a very small part in this movie, June Squibb has been old forever. June Squibb has been the same age forever. She's only in this movie for like two seconds, but I love that. Oh. I just love when an actor is like 
consistently ageless. It makes me feel like time isn't moving. Death isn't coming for me. Thank you, Juice <laughs> Web. So, you. you know, it's like she could just go straight from here to be the boner donor and Hubie Halloween. I mean, nothing changes. Yeah. Miss Nebraska. I'll never see. <laughs> I'll never see Hubie Halloween, but I trust that she looks. Oh, she plays. Uh, she thing. plays Sandler's. I think mom in that mom or grandma and she wears a lot of um novelty t-shirts including one that says boner donor that i still find uh funny that june squib was wearing that t-shirt but i liked you be halloween well hey uh if your wife is listening father's day is coming up you know what he wants now a boner donor shirt that would be so far that would really be leaning in towards just like okay i'm almost 40 i have i have a kid <laughs> give me some novelty t-shirts yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I need people to know I'm the big dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, sorry, speaking of novelty t-shirts, when they said, like, do you want to go on the ride? And they went to the Ferrari dealership, fine, Ferrari, whatever. But I thought they were going to go to, like, Coney Island, and we were going to see Al Pacino in some novelty shirts at the beach eating, you know, mm. ice cream. I just thought that it was going to be, like, a ride ride. He had to I mean, wait. He had to get... He had to wait to get buried alive at the beach for the next movie. <laughs> well, I, I I got that like it was the machismo of a Ferrari, but still, I don't know. I feel like when you're blind, you've been in one car, you've been in them all. I don't know. It would have been neat to see them like ride a roller coaster together and him enjoying being in a roller coaster, but not being able to see. Yeah. That would have. I, I, yeah. I see. I could see that scene happening, and them like sharing corn dogs or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing the escorts of Coney Island. Yep. Uh, Al Pacino wins. Uh, Charlie, a giant uh, stuffed bear of some kind. Yeah. Well, I mean, Al Pacino's, um, for, I'm not, Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade's like ultimate vision for a perfect weekend before he kills himself is actually kind of unimaginative, all things considered. Yeah. That's <laughs> a weak, yeah, weak, uh, weak bucket list, bro. Hey, Frank, why don't you go skydiving? <laughs> <laughs> Ding dong. Yeah, no. idiot. <laughs> well, I, this is a side spoiler, I guess, for Hacks. I don't know if either of you've watched Hacks at all on HBO. In an episode, there I have not seen a, it yet. There is an episode where there's a character who goes to Vegas to ultimately blow all his money, have sex, and kill himself. And they talk about how this is like a very common thing where a lot of people are like, "Okay, I might as well go out big." And instead of New York City, they go to Vegas. They spend all their money in a yeah, they killed themselves. You know, I guess, I guess that's guys being guys. <laughs> yeah, just dude stuff. Yeah, dude stuff. Yeah, dude I, mean, stuff. I guess that's dude ha- stuff. Hashtag dude stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bros being bros. Oh, yeah, I, I look forward to the day that I can go spend all my money in Manhattan and drive a Ferrari and then shoot myself. <laughs> yeah, and take someone with me. Yeah. <laughs> dude stuff. Well, I'm, I'm going to find his son. <laughs> Well, yeah. you can't see the whole time. Yeah, him driving the car. I was like, this could be such a dramatically different movie if a kid ran in the street with a soccer ball or something. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Charlie, we've got to cover it up. <laughs> Charlie, you're culpable. You have to help me. <laughs> You'll go to jail too. <laughs> you're never going to get into Harvard with blood on your hands. Yeah, the, the, the Aryan Brotherhood's only going to protect one of us. <laughs> and I'm Jesus. the one with the connections. <laughs> And you know that he would be like, I can smell the blood on you. I can smell the blood on your shirt, Charlie. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. Like a woman from New Jersey. It just, beca- it just becomes a prequel to Oz. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, wait, Charlie goes. He goes in as a boy, but he leaves as something much, much different. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, you're going to get that. You're going to need to get those tattoos removed. Yeah. Uh, hang out with the Irish. They seem to do all right for themselves. Yeah. But like, now I want to know, like, what part of me is like, I cannot see a blind man drive a Ferrari. Like, I don't know. It seems fun, but at the same time, I was just like, no, this is too long. They're going left and right. They're like very, very fast. It just was a long sequence of a blind man driving a car. And I think you, I think you brought up a great point though earlier that the fact that for some reason they cleared all of the streets completely for them to do this, and there's no pedestrians, there's no other cars at all. Except Make it one cop car. Yeah. In the end. <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys are good guys. Mm-hmm. I was in the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, but I, it would have been, they were like, it was the French connection and he had to dodge stuff. And like Charlie's yelling, right, left. Oh my God, a kid. You know, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in that version, Frank could have like hit a, um, Oh gosh, one of those things I can't think of words tonight. The things it's not water. Oh, like oh, a fire hydrant? I, yeah, he could have yeah. hit a fire hydrant. For some reason, it's a very hot Thanksgiving. Kids yeah. could have enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, or at the very least, a fruit stand. Just a classic <laughs> Godfather style fruit stand. I think like you know, like a, if you're gonna do antics with a car like this, it's gonna be fun. I mean, you gotta look at Ferris Bueller, you gotta look at Risky Business, and you gotta wreck that car. <laughs> like <laughs> find a way for them to get out of it is that what we want because we've already said we wanted the parade we wanted them to have more fun with the ferrari do we want this movie to be ferris bueller and then who's ferris obviously slade i guess mm-hmm. then charlie is cameron and yeah. the smell of women is the girlfriend <laughs> yeah that, that seems to be the uh <laughs> level of respect the film has for women <laughs> yeah they have women's smells that was in uh, Gene Siskel's review. Women's smell is really a character in this film. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, two thumbs. <laughs> up or down? I'll never tell. Uh, you know, I, I think we were kind of getting to the, like, there is, like, a kind of, at least for me, kind of like a, a there is kind of a wild, undeniable charm to how bonkers Pacino's performance is. And like how you just don't see people. I mean, maybe in the modern sense, maybe Nicolas Cage goes to these kind of um, crazy places in this way. And so it's really fun to watch something that is just that this nuts. But is it good? (laughs) I don't know. And the lesson. It's a lesson not to snitch. Yeah. It's interesting to watch you know and here's a term we've used a few times already curio it's an interesting mm-hmm. curio there's like a, almost like a novelty to it uh but um and it is i think you're right like i can't think of an actor who's like because i feel like nicholas cage is like the last actor kind of like pacino where they'll just do full crazy like western kabuki chaos on screen and i can't think of like an actor and there must be like uh but i just can't maybe like walton goggins that's a weird one well walton goggins is our last man standing in the like bruce dern uh late great ned Beatty um category of like weirdos who show up and just knock it out of the park for a handful of scenes and everything they're in yeah oh 
maybe maybe Nicholson. Well, I thought I thought I thought Nicholson should have played. I <laughs> bury the lead. I think Nicholson should have played Frank Slade, just in general. Uh, I don't. Oh. I, I feel like there would have been less fun and more severity. Yeah, I, I don't. I I kind of. I, I maybe I'm just thinking of his part part in um, Few Good Men, and kind of crossing them over. But I I think that I don't know. I I Al Pacino does not really strike me as like a um, high level military man. In the same vein. Yeah. Well, but he also, you know, lost his vision juggling <laughs> grenades. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> never, never forget that. <laughs> uh, I want to see that flashback. I feel like we were robbed of that flashback of him. Just like we, oh. we, we, we were ripping into uh, mythologies and lores and movies that unnecessarily give us origin stories in our last episode. But would I like to see the origin of Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade? Maybe a little. Yes. I would watch it. Sent origins. Although that's the way he's always been. He's always juggling with grenades. Mm-hmm. He's always running around being like, don't touch me. I'm going to walk in the New York street and almost get hit by a car and then fall into a trash can and then fall into a bush. Like, he's always in control. I, I think that part <laughs> where he fell down may have won him many academy votes <laughs> like i was like oh he's so committed he's falling the down the first he's time like, he's or the second it. time yeah. the first time he fell into a trash can and then the <laughs> second time he fell into a bush so which one was the one that won the academy uh award? second it's the second one because oh, yeah. it's a false fall and i can just picture him coming up to martin breast marty got a wonderful idea i saw a trash can over there i'm gonna fall down <laughs> yeah. we're gonna use it we're gonna use it in the picture and what will happen to the trash? The trash will just go down the street. <laughs> I, I, I did read, though, that apparently um, this one was the first time that uh, Al Pacino's agent con- convinced him to take the part. Al had originally passed on it. And he's like, I don't get, I don't like him. I'm not him. I don't understand it. His agents basically told him, like, you'll make a ton of money and probably win an Academy Award. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, uh, maybe, maybe we'll take a second look at that one. Yeah, it is like funny that um I watched uh the um part of the inside of the actors like the part of the like you can watch on YouTube they have like the inside the actors studio for Al Pacino the first one up on YouTube you can watch the whole thing but I like fast forwarded specifically to the part about scent of a woman because I was like oh maybe there will be like an interesting nugget in here and literally the only thing he says about the role like he says kind of like some of the boilerplate stuff like yeah like I pretended to be blonde like you know I really like you know uh. I went to like a, you know, a school for the blind, not school for the blind. Like he went to like a, like, just like he, he, he really did like, you know, method acting and stuff like that. But then like the only other tidbit he gave besides that is uh, like having his Oscar and uh, when he won his Oscar, like he was in an elevator with a famous actress and he actually, and he accidentally like poked her in the rump with it. And that's like literally the only thing that's like the only like tidbit he gave about his time on Scent of a Woman, really. Like that whole like his whole Scent of a Woman uh, chunk in the inside the actor's studio was like two minutes long and just a weird, funny anecdote that wasn't even that funny. Well, I think um, one thing to note is apparently the biography that he was distributed to the press for uh, when he did uh, Looking for Richard, Academy Academy favorite. He called the film 
un- an uneven, unabashed star showcase. Yeah, I mean, I'm not and gonna. Yeah, I think that that kind of sums it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely unabashed. I will, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it is a uh, it's out of ten the entire way through. It's all it's you know again totally all over the place. Uh, before we move on to the next movie, Maria Patrick, did you have any um, final thoughts on Pacino's performance in Scent of a Woman? I mean. Batman said Huya a lot of times. Um, and I can't believe we haven't discussed it or how you feel about it, considering both of these movies have very iconic lines. Forget about it. And Huya. I, I can't even Huya right. Like the but, way the way Al Pacino implicitly Huya's. He um he modulates it too, depending on kind of how if he's feeling like if like Patrick said, if he's feeling horny, it's like a hua. If it's a angry one, you know he's he really he he runs the gamut of who else in the film. I I I thought it was important to bring that up, and I also just think you know even though he said he's a bad guy in this movie, arguably, I feel like you want him to like you, and I feel like you understood Charlie wanting him to like him, like wanting to be up to his standards, Uh, even though yeah, very very horny. Too horny, I, um, for an adult man <laughs> with a teenager in general, but yeah, but like they kind of showed the psychology of why these two people are friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think he kind of hit on something very interesting. That's almost his likability in the film is like almost cosmic and unexplainable <laughs> because it's like he doesn't do anything particularly likable. But you're like at the end, you you know, Patrick, you said the first time we covered this, like kind of rooting for him when he gets that speech at the end yeah of it. <laughs> I, I will like you know and it wasn't as strong this time around but i remember definitely the first time watching this i was like on his team by the end like i was like so i was i bought into it like i was like oh this is great i love i hope this guy beats up james rebhorn that would have been like a just a, just a straight up fight at the end where he just beats the shit out of james rebhorn and everyone's cheering like yeah blood we want blood it was so weird it was like they won like he was like rudy and he got in the game at the end of the film rudy (laughs) it is legit like a rudy moment it is really weird yeah it's so insane all he has to win over is a group of you know 13 to 17 year old boys (laughs) and a school board (laughs) this isn't like him like turning the senate or like yeah. oh yeah <laughs> it's like literally just like he's like it's almost as if in his mind he's like first you get the kids then the school board follows because those kids love it they're like yeah don't snitch we're a bunch of little white kids in connecticut we yeah. don't do that <laughs> they're all like you're our honorary uncle now <laughs> it reminded me of um i was just thinking about you know in the end of billy madison where he gives the speech about the industrial revolution Oh, oh well. Yeah, Adam Sandler has to give a speech about the industrial revolution. <laughs> he ends it with like, "But the industry, my friends, well, that was a revolution." <laughs> and everyone cheers for him. And then the guy hosting is like, "That made no sense, and we're all stupider for having listened to it." <laughs> That's kind of like you expected Redhorn to say that. It's like. What are you talking about, man? It is like chaos. The fact that the school board sides with like a stranger and not the headmaster is just ludicrous. The Uh, children love him, Patrick. Okay, this is in front of all of the children, and the kids are going wild for Pacino. I mean, like the stakes of these two movies, like a man's life or giving a great speech for a bunch of high school kids. (laughs) 
I think, though, I mean, there's a lot of deleted scenes in this, which many of the kids approached Frank Sladen, asked him to adopt them as well. Yeah. They were very impressed. <laughs> there was a line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please. Please, Frank, I won't be your dad, I won't be your son. Yeah. I'm sure there's a scene where he teaches the headmaster the perfect way to clean off his Jaguar. Yeah. And then he asks if they can go for a spin, and uh oh. They're back Here on the we road. Go again. Oh my god. That a woman too. <laughs> this time it's a jack. <laughs> I genuinely thought that you were gonna say this time it's personal. <laughs> I'm really in the dark. <laughs> yeah. He's really in this time Lieutenant Frank is really in the dark. <laughs> oh, you if you're listening, Hollywood, uh, I think we just pitched a real winner. With there was sent to Sorry, a woman too. but I can see this movie too. This guy is middle-aged. He's a school dean head. He has this Jaguar, but all the kids make fun of him. How is home life? You know, and he's like, oh, the school board gave him the Jaguar. Why? It's hush money. There's so many questions. Mm-hmm. His wife hates his guts and so do his kids. And yeah. he doesn't know what to do about it. But there's one man who wants to adopt him and wrestle him with a gun. He's like, listen, I know you're only about five years younger than me. But, <laughs> but I think you should be my son. <laughs> I'm going to teach you some life lessons. <laughs> and we're going to have a little fun, too. Yeah. <laughs> Hoo-ah. Hoo-ah. Yeah. Hoo-ah. He's like bullied wow. by his like you know twelve year old sons that are constantly spraying their gogurts at him. Yeah, he his kids are like Bill Murray's kids in Rushmore. They're just mean. <laughs> I like this movie. I like this movie for both of them, especially because they're like age appropriate adult men who can talk to each other about that. Versus an adult man and a seventeen or sixteen year old boy. Man, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh yeah. Who like doesn't? 17 or 16. Who doesn't seem like he's ever even like spoken to another adult before? Yeah. Let alone like gone to the big city. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he is like just a weird alien of a character. <laughs> he's kind of a he's he's a sweet natured nerd. And God bless Charlie. I oh, know because yeah. he's a National Merit Honor Scholar. I'm sure he I'm sure he went to Brown or Cornell and was just fine. Yeah, he went to Dartmouth, majored <laughs> yeah. in uh, the arts. He went to one of the lesser Ivies. We'll put it yeah. that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's probably the actual real world repercussion. I know we yeah. should focus on the day that a bunch of tiny teenagers were happy because Al Pacino spoke. But yeah, realistically, long term, like Charlie's going to have a hard time. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not going to Harvard. Yeah, he's bristling. He's not going to Harvard. <laughs> he's bristling in his middle management position at a uh, failing major GE because, you know, had I have gone to Harvard instead of Sarah Lawrence, what could have been? Yeah. But I oh, think no, the, he is blacklisted. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the lesson learned is like, you know, Harvard education comes and goes, but having a crazy new dad is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And your crazy new dad getting you tons of crazy new friends at your high school. Yeah, I, I'm sure he, I, you know, I mean, on the flip side, he may have lost three of the most powerful friends at school, but he gained a bunch of uh, people who were picked on by those guys. <laughs> and he's their, he's their new hero. Yeah, and also he probably like stealthily avoided ending up working for like the Bush administration in some weird capacity. So good for him. He's no longer Although- To be fair to those mean kids, 
those mean kids weren't fighting the smallest, poorest kids. They were fighting the power. Mm-hmm. They were fighting the power of their school. And they were like, what is happening with this educational fund mismanagement that goes so you get a Jaguar, sir? I mean, oh. really, this was about them trying to take down corruption from the inside. Oh. Making a statement. And then okay. show- <laughs> I think that you should have been George Willis's defense attorney up there. Yeah, you just turned it on my dang it. Because I was, I was pro rep horn before you said that. I was like, these kids with their damn poem. <laughs> and then popping a balloon and on this poor man's car, but now it's like ah, oh, true. Well, I mean that Jaguar is graft, and we know that. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, that's big money. That's big money. It yeah. came from the school board. Yeah, that could have that could have been used for their polo fund. Yeah, they could have gotten a squash court. Like, yeah, that's just one more ski trip that was lost. Yes. At uh, big, big cherry or whatever the hell. Big, big sugar, big sugar, baby. Yeah, big sugar, sugar loaf mountain or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, we gotta move on to Donnie Brasco. Okay, We're yeah, doing, sorry. Doing I We're... thought it was important oh. to defend those bullies. It's okay. <laughs> Hashtag bully defense. Hey, you know, if the Academy Academy is known for anything, we defend all bullies. <laughs> yeah, bullies well, are good. In the words of the next movie, forget about it. Yeah, yeah forget yeah. about it. And you know, you could take that for however way you want to. The next there are film, many ways. Nineteen ninety, <laughs> as explained to Paul Giamatti and Tim Blake Nelson. Um, 1997's Donnie Brasco, directed by Mike Newell, screenplay by Paul Atanasio, based on the book Donnie Brasco: My Undercover Life in the Mafia by Joseph DePistone and Richard Woodley, starring. Al Pacino, Johnny Depp, Michael Madsen, uh, Academy Academy favorite Bruno Kirby, James Russo, and Anne Heche. The film was budgeted at $35 million, and it made a nice $124.9 million at the box office. It has an 88% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Consensus reads, a stark nuanced portrait of life and organized crime bolstered by strong performances from al pacino and johnny depp the film was nominated for one academy award best adapted screenplay i'll ask you maria this time around again was this your first time seeing donnie brosco it was it was my first time seeing that and that hideous hideous mustache that johnny depp was wearing (laughs) much like the fbi and the mafia you are against his mustache I mean god that thing was like it was definitely a merkin like it was definitely a wig it was it was definitely a wig on his face of a very thin disgusting mustache i mean the first good thing al pacino does in this is like get rid of that mustache but it just yeah it just was so weird i was like i spent a lot of time thinking about johnny depp's ability to grow facial hair yeah 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 i i i, I don't see him as like a beard man yeah jack sparrow kind of jack sparrow kind of a beardy it's a little wispy wispy it's not like our not like my co-host beard no no yeah i have a haggard beard at this point but yeah like yeah i would almost describe yeah jack sparrow's beard it's almost like fu manchu-esque a little bit or like john watersy nah not as clean as a john john waters has keeps that stuff proper yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah john waters won't leave his house without a properly trimmed mustache oh yeah pencil thin pencil thin oh yeah hashtag pencil thin <laughs> hashtag pencil thin <laughs> um, spread the word. but yeah i think um 
obviously, yeah, I think Maria, you hit the nail on the head that these are both father son surrogate films. And, um, but going a very, very different direction in that regard. And, um, did you, um, this is sad. This is sad, mad this, dad. The other one is just mad, mad, horny dad, but mm-hmm. this is yeah. like, mad, <laughs> yeah, mad. Yeah. yeah. Not, not even horny. Yeah. Really just sad. Well, yeah. I mean, he was known as horse cock at one point, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Now he's like half cock or mid. Like he had 50 weird nicknames. <laughs> one of the, oh, you knew the, you I, for me, that's when the movie kicks into high gear. I'm like, oh, we might have a weird, cool movie here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, they're taking the time to write down all of his mafia nicknames. Mm-hmm. Uh, second time through, Patrick, what were your thoughts? more the second time through. it's interesting because like um in some ways it is like they're uh god because i will say when you watch the first like 20 if you just watched the first 20 minutes of this movie like it is like the most generic mafia movie ever like you're hearing forget about it a billion times everyone's doing mob stuff it feels very like um like boilerplate but once you get past that like yeah that initial half hour like, uh, and you see how much of a schlub and a loser Al Pacino is. Like, that's when the movie kicks into high gear for me. When you realize, oh, this guy, like, truly, he sucks. He is, like, not a, he's such a nerd. He sucks. Yeah, I, I think um, it, it's interesting. I think that that opening and kind of going hard on, like, the, the mob stuff mm-hmm. is, is a bit of a bait and switch to then reveal just how shitty all of them are yeah. as, the, as the movie progresses. I mean, because it's not just Lefty. It's the entire crew. It's like, I, I love Madsen. He won um, my Kazale the week, uh, the week we covered this before. But even Sonny Black is kind of like a loser. Oh, like, they're not, all like, yeah. Know, well, it's like, it's so funny. It is like, it's almost like the mafia is like, they almost treat it like it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a post-industrial like factory town, you know, like the Rust Belt or something where there's just, there isn't like, there isn't like enough jobs. There's not enough. The ecosystem can't support that many mafiosa. And yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, they're all like, kind of like left with these scraps and it's just a total, and yeah, it's just it's just a, it seems like the it's like a lifestyle where like when you get in it, you know immediately like you know that you will inevitably like either kill your best friend or be killed by your best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, again, I am always so. I, the more of these we have watched, and I you know I, we, I'd seen all of these beforehand, but the more of these we watched, there is this kind of like crazy feeling of like I cannot believe people put the posters up for like Donnie Brasco in their dorm room and think these guys are like cool dudes yeah like they're unironically like think that Scarface and like Michael Corleone rule even though like these movies are just like (laughs) like just like almost uniformly condemning these characters yeah like none of of them come out looking good it all looks bad like It's like, I can't imagine how you can watch, like, I guess, like, at least with Scarface, I sort of understand it, because the aesthetics are cool, and, like, uh, there's, like, that, you know, that montage where, like, they're all having a good time, and if the movie, like, if you stop the movie there, you could, you, your takeaway would be, like, oh, this is a great lifestyle, I'll live it. Uh, yeah, but, uh, even this, this one has a making money montage as well, but it's, like, way more pathetic. 
Oh, it's yeah, super pathetic. Like the only the only time they genuinely genuinely seem to have fun is when they initially go to Florida and they're all like burying uh, Al Pacino in the sand and like you know hang, <laughs> hanging hang, out with that dinosaur, yeah, hanging out with that alligator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the alligator. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do want to say this movie kicks off in a way that I thought was kind of pretty heavy-handed, to be too honest, because it starts off with all of these like far away black and white shots of like Al Pacino and his gang. Al Pacino and his gang. And then we occasionally see very tight shots of Johnny Depp looking somber, looking off to the side, but like they're not the same shots. So obviously like, I feel like I was getting spoon fed, like, okay, so he's the one who's the cop. And then these are the bad guys. And then like the first line of the movie is like Gretchen Maul goes up to their table and she's, um, she's a waitress at this restaurant. And they're arguing over cars, like what's the best car? And Gretchen Ball is immediately, the first line of her stupid mouth is, are you guys wise guys or what? And it's like, <laughs> you're just going to ask the mob if they're the mob? Like, you do that, Gretchen Ball? We got a couple of godfathers over here. <laughs> a couple of good fellas. Yeah, <laughs> got a trio of scar faces. <laughs> and like nobody, nobody says at like, I'm like, I understand this is a mod movie. I really didn't need her to say that. But like, she says it. And then like, everyone just giggles about it. And then finally, like Johnny Depp and Al Pacino, like make eyes at each other. Because Johnny Depp, his whole FBI thing is like, I will just orbit this group until I am recognized with my disgusting mustache. Like his whole FBI plan is just that. Like you never see him like trying to make a connect or anything. He just goes to the same restaurant as them. And the bartender... I'm still confused why they cut to these close with the bartender, like knowingly looking at the them meeting up in that. I think you're right. That opening scene is a little clunky <laughs> to put it, to put it lightly. Um, they were just like, we need everyone to understand this is the mob. So if you mm-hmm. couldn't see that first thing where it was all the close up far away shots, we're going to have them talking about cars and then have Gretchen Ball ask them straight up. And I think, this this goes back to something we talked about before, Patrick. Of um, you know, this movie's I I think this movie's great. It's very entertaining, but it definitely isn't yeah. as like artfully or as interestingly done as if it was directed yeah. by a Scorsese or a De Palma or a Coppola. It feels a little more workmanlike. Hundred percent. It is like yeah, both of these movies out of all the um. Pod, uh, podcast what am i saying out of all the uh out of all the podcasts we watch out of all the movies we've watched uh mm-hmm. for the al pacino season these two films kind of this one and Sin of a woman to me have like the most like tv movie uh like they're both like i feel like they're both like the most like movie-ish movies in the sense that like they're like they're really trying to like hit certain like notes and like make sure that the audience understands like this is the part you're supposed to cry this is the part you're supposed to realize Mm. they're mobsters uh yeah and i think yeah donnie brosco especially yeah in that first like i said it's like the first like 30 minutes of this movie it's not until like i think it really isn't until like you go to al pacino's house his horrible apartment yeah i think he's watching uh yeah the nature videos yeah i think that that's such a key scene and then he says he has cancer the prick yeah. Oh, insane. Yeah. And it, that is that. It, I think. I think that that. I agree. I think that that's really is where the movie takes off. I think it's. Yeah. Um, I think it's very. It's very like sad and funny and everything in between, but um, 
But I think on that, you know, on that note, like Pacino's performance in the movie, though, I think is unique and very, very, I think it's really great. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. I think he's, um, he, unlike trying to showboat and be kind of like this, like star hero as Frank Slade, he's more than willing to just be a loser in this movie and the, like for instance my my i think my favorite scene one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they're on the boat and he's just watching donnie get inundated by sunny black mm-hmm. and kind of his jealousy and his like just like like slouching at <laughs> the explanation you know this you know the ends of the boat you're gonna sit up here i'm gonna be back here <laughs> yeah, i i just i think i love lefty I think he's like, he's so sad, but yeah, I, I just think it's a really, especially for a later in his career performance, it's a very full, full three-dimensional performance for me. I hard yeah. to think of Al in particular. That's my difficulty right now. I'm trying to like focus in on it. Mm. No, no worries. I, I mean, that is the difference. Like at left, it, this is obviously the movie's not called Lefty. It's called Donnie Brasco. So it is Donnie's story. And uh, it is a supporting role compared to um, Scent of a Woman, which is a dominating lead role. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, you are right that the way he succeeds in this is that he is willing to be a loser. He is willing to be second fiddle. And Johnny Depp doesn't really do much. He just looks around all the time. And it's very anxious. Very um, pouty. Yeah, but I, w- I mean, I do think like he did a good job of being a loser, of being a sore guy about it. And, you know, like you could see him just trying to get that mob promotion and not being able to get it. And then, <laughs> yeah, being jealous of his mm-hmm. sub son, but also wanting to teach him things and his basic substitute son, Johnny Depp, like wanting to learn those things. Yeah. You, you also get like a sense too that like, it makes sense, like it, it makes sense that his character has been passed off, uh, because he is like, like it's not just that he's in the mob, like that's like him being in the mob doesn't make him a loser, although it kind of does on one level. But like he is just, he's he's, like, he's only he's like his character, it's in his DNA. He's like even though he's like killed like almost thirty people, he's just a schlub. Well, he's done everything that's ever been asked for him of him by the mob but he's kind of like still feels like a hanger on like that part where he's beating the shit out of the um out of the parking meter in the bar oh, God. <laughs> like that's how he's trying to get his money and it's just like shut up lefty <laughs> and you can imagine that oh, like there are a million scenes of him being annoying to the rest of the guys yeah he's like an annoying he's like his his whole thing is like annoying and like uh oh god the like even like the cocoa bean scene too, where like he acts like he's on top and he knows how to cook uh, cocoa bean or whatever. Oh he's yeah. Like, you know, men are the real men, chefs. Yeah. And then immediately after he says that, as if God was like, ah, I want to just shit on this man a little more. You know, I, t- I took his dick. I might as well light it, light his chicken on fire too. He's like Annette, Annette, put it out. <laughs> what a dumbass. Oh God! What a great. Uh... It, it, it is such a great character because it's like, and then he finally, when he meets John, when he meets uh, Donnie, it's like, oh, I got, I got a guy who looks up to me and thinks I'm like, I've got it going on, and I'm like a great. And then he gets passed up, even then, like, yeah, he, it's it's and 
it's, it's like it's very sad. I think that that's the right word for it. It is they make like each yeah. other sad. They're they're just so sad together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Donnie Brasco, he does all the stuff, you know, that um lefty asks of him. He shaves his god awful mustache in case yeah. any of you were wondering. Yes, there is a gets rid of his jeans. Yeah, he gets rid of his jeans, has him dressed nicer, tells him to shut up. You know, he doesn't talk unless spoken to. And it was kind of, yeah, the other movie had the same thing. I don't touch you. Like, yes, it was, you don't touch me. I can touch you, but you don't touch me was the last movie. And this movie was, you don't speak unless I speak to you. Mm -hmm. Those were the dad traits. I (laughs) I mean. Important dad lessons. (laughs) You could see like the sad stupid Donnie Brasco did look up to him and I mean like they didn't give any they didn't give Donnie Brasco anything else in his life like every time he went home and Haish was mad the kids had sour faces like no one was psyched to see him yeah I mean not that they should be but it was just all of the women characters including the children were just all like shrews and yeah it's not good and when he could go and down to Florida and have fun with the guys I mean no wonder he was having conflicting alliances. <laughs> yeah. Also, oh God, on the subject of, I think we've already brought this up on a previous episode, but like the, the fact that like he's on, like he, he claims to be an orphan and then he's like, he's on, on the, the fucking, phone all the fucking all, time. It's like you ding dongs, you should know better. Like had, I, I would be mad at this. Had this not been based on a real life story, uh, I would be so incredulous. Patrick's gonna write a book for the mob called Orphans Don't Have Family Plans. <laughs> and other helpful tips. <laughs> Does, is that orphan story a little too clean? You should be suspicious. Yeah. I'm the mob guru. Oh it yeah, and it's it's so it is heartbreaking. You know, hear hear the original story of like because Sonny the guy, the real Sonny Black was killed by the mob. Oh man for um for allowing this guy so far in and basically he just kind of was like shrugged his shoulders was like yeah we liked him i don't know i guess i fucked up (laughs) that was kind of the uh that was the end of him yeah i mean it was sad it was sad when lefty lost his son to a drug overdose Mm -hmm. and then you were like man donnie is really his son now yeah yeah al has so many nice little quiet scenes in it i mean that scene where he's trying to not cry at the hospital and then uh, you know our last guest um kevin hamadani brought up the last scene where he um is putting his valuables in that drawer before he leaves the house and how how well wordlessly pacino conveys everything in that scene and so sad and the last words he left for his wife were like tell donnie if he calls he did the right thing yeah yeah he loves him to the end he loves his he loves his his turncoat betrayer son. His FBI yeah. snitch son. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Donnie. Oh, there's a side lesson though. Donnie snitching. You should go find. He, he if uh, Lefty had driven up to Baird, he could have found a son who would never snitch. Mm. Once but, again, this school needs to have more things. This is really about that that education system needing more funding to go to the right places, so orphans could go to that school and more Charlies could go. Mm-hmm. Who won't snitch? Yeah, and not not jaguars. <laughs> no jaguars. No jaguars attending this school. We got to get a Cadillac. Forget about it. Forget about it. Uh, I, yeah, I think it, it's interesting because Donnie Brasco. It's 
it it might be patrick would you say that it's the most normal of the movies in the 16 we've we're covering from this like in terms of it doesn't take too big a swings it kind of hits the notes it needs to hit Oh, two biggest swings, and then I just think of Anne Heche getting hit in the face. Oh, that was not what I was referring to, audience. No. <laughs> Although, audience, I will say this. I definitely would, I definitely gave Lefty props because he did always seem to love and appreciate his wife. He, I think he, he, he really loved the company of Annette. Yeah. He is Although good. his ex-wife lived in the same damn building. Another yeah, I guess like yeah, he's a wife appreciator. We'll give mm-hmm. it. We'll give it to you. Hashtag wife appreciator. Uh, Al Pacino is mm-hmm. <laughs> the wife. Appre- <laughs> I respect your wife. Not necessarily Donnie, but yeah, not Don. No, Donnie. No, he's a wife unappreciator. <laughs> he's a wife unappreciator. <laughs> he's a, a lot of unappreciation. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I'm a little kinder to Johnny Depp's performance. In this, I, I I think he does a I think he does a nice job. Didn't we do some um, alternate casting the last yeah. time around? We kind of talked about who we thought of, who we thought would be good in this part. Oh man, yeah, I can't remember who we brought up. Um, because you have to the other someone... movie. Oh, sorry, for Scent of a Woman, they almost cast Steven Dorf instead of Chris O'Connell. Uh, yeah, that would have been a uh, different. Yeah, <laughs> we'll put it that way. That would have been a much more adult. I feel like Stephen Dorff was born thirty-four, like with, yeah. with Ashley. Shane and chain smoking and like uh, yeah. receding hairline. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like he just perpetually had a twelve o'clock shadow, even at like the age of six. Yeah, I you know I I mean, haven't read that, but uh, you know I somebody like this might be a wild card one, but ninety-seven he was a different actor, John Cusack. I was thinking that too, actually. That's so funny. Might be an interesting I think you could uh, person to do that. Um, Nick- Don Cusack, I'd go for that. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's always our choice, but Nicolas Cage <laughs> would have been interesting doing Ooh. it. That would have um, been cool, actually. I know we tend to favor Nick Cage around here, but um, I mean, there's a, there's a I, few. I mean, I have a wild, I have a super wild one. Uh, uh, this is like, and I don't know if it would work. Uh, it probably wouldn't work, honestly. But uh, two of my favorite little micro characters in this movie are, of course, Tim Blake Nelson and Paul Giamatti. As naturally, the- yeah, oh, they're so good. But like, I think you could have Paul Giamatti in the Donnie Brasco role. <laughs> that would be. It would be such a different movie, but it would be so. It'd be wild. It'd be wild. I think, it could, and I think it would be entertaining. It'd probably turn into a comedy, but like. Well, you know, he, I mean, I don't. I think it's because I'm thinking of Reservoir Dogs, but Tim Roth might have been interesting man. in the role. Give me that. Role. Um, yeah, I think, and then the other guy was another. I mean, another uh, surrogate son, but um, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves would be, I think Keanu Reeves would give the exact same performance as Johnny I think Depp, he would honestly. give the exact, yeah, Which pretty close. Like, yeah, no, like you know. I don't know. I feel like there'd be maybe more action or intensity to the driving. I don't know if that's mm. true or not. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Keanu Reeves would drive like it was more intense. Whereas Johnny yeah. Depp, I just always felt like was casually driving. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, yeah I, I think I would always be like, oh, we're going somewhere with the mob if it was Keanu Reeves. Uh, listeners, if you could name a film in which Keanu Reeves casually drives a car, let us know. We 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 don't know it off the top of our heads. He, you're, Maria, you're absolutely right. He uh, he seems to always be intensely going somewhere if he's in a car. 
Yeah. He's always like he's he's squinting as if looking a long distance every time. Mm-hmm. He, that's like his default look. Uh, also, oh man, it would be so fun if like Keanu Reeves tried to do an Italian accent the way he tried to do a Southern accent. Oh yeah. Oh, oh right. yeah, that just crossed my because I was thinking of uh, <laughs> Kevin Lomax Swamp Attorney. Yeah. Well, if it isn't me, Kevin Lomax, y'all. I love Keanu. We're not uh, no. Um, no, we we appreciate. We love all, it. Uh, all love to Keanu Reeves, I but yeah, it, I love his accent in uh, Bram Stoker. I collect his weird accents; they're wonderful. Yeah, he's God bless you, Keanu. But so, he would have been well, interesting. Yeah, I think he would have been fun in this movie, and I think he would have looked conflicted because I just feel like there were moments where Johnny Depp was like, "I'm a bad guy now," and like you didn't see any conflict in his face or his acting or his choices. Yeah, I had a. a I wish they had cast someone else. Like, I feel like Johnny Depp's job was to smolder, but not to be like, oh my God, I've hit my wife. I'm being pulled into the mafia and I hate my children. He's, he's, he's really, really pretty. And I think that helps with close-ups and wanting to cast him at this point in his life. <sighs> I think he, um, he, he's I always- think like, he made choices. He's always fascinating me so much because he, um, I mean, regardless of kind of his latter-day- sins we'll put it i think that's probably the best way to put it um i've always been really fascinated why someone who looked like johnny depp did was so intent on always wearing wigs and masks and makeup yeah like it there seems to be there's such like a interesting psychological thing that's happening there and this is one of the few movies once the mustache is gone where he looks like he looked in that time and it's it's, and I wonder if Ray is like, you're honest, something think it's almost like he needs the artifice to make the performance because if he's left just with his face, he's kind of lost. Yeah. He just, yeah, it felt very one dimensional to me. Like at the mid, just constantly, like I never felt like he was playing the layers of, you know, a cop who infiltrated the mafia, who was trying to be like a good, like he just seemed irritated by everything that wasn't hanging out with Al Pacino. To a degree where I was like, okay, yeah, leave Anne Haitian your kids. Like, be happy with Al. Yeah, I go, just... yeah, go shoot, go shoot Sonny Red, shoot Bruno, Sonny Red's son, and join the mob. Yeah. I um, mean, I don't know. I just felt like he was very two dimensional, whereas Al Pacino definitely gave like a very nuanced performance with highs and lows and moments where he was silent and he said so much. Whereas I feel like Johnny Depp doesn't say anything when he's silent. I think they would have been interesting. Any, yeah, you're right. I think they would have been interesting to see kind of more of a moral arc for Pistone, where he is war- if like there was a scene toward the top where he was warmer to his family and yeah. really show and really show that he liked being an FBI agent, like, and then slowly but surely. So like if at the end when he does hit her. It should be this moment where like, holy shit, I've taken this like so far. Like I, I'm ashamed of myself. I've taken this like crime mob asshole thing. You know, I've, I'm lost. Yeah. Or and I the, need to, we need to pull you out because I'm lost. Yeah. Or basically. at the very least, like it's like clear to the audience that he's like turned and like, he's like become like doing this has like cost him his soul effectively. Yeah. He beats the shit out of the Fugazi guy at like minute five. That is, yeah. With like no 
oh, just drop him a hat. Didn't, didn't at no moment is he like, oh, I don't want to do this. Well, that's an interesting thing. I, I, I guess I was kind of lost in the movie, but that's a very good point well, that, there no, is, I mean, he, that he you're making. Pull, he pulls the guy in and says to him, like, this guy will really kill him because he knows <laughs> that the guy will really kill him. Although, yeah. once again, this was another scene that had like, a, a very present lack of women because it happened at a strip club but it was like during the day <laughs> so like... there were like there were some women on the side in bikinis but no customers so like <laughs> it was just a really strange time to be in a bikini bar and then not have there be bikini women or customers just no one yeah it was really yeah, strange that's like me. the scent of a woman ferrari scene yeah. uh, for donnie brass where it's like this is a depopulated strip club like what happened here it's <laughs> like post-apocalyptic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mean- I mean, it's this. These movies are definitely about dudes having emotional relationships with dudes. Now, like, yeah. where does that happen? A strip club with no women or other customers? Not near a buffet. <sighs> yeah, I mean, even like that. I mean, that would have been something too to like, um, you know, have Donnie meet a possible other romantic partner. Oh, while all he was that. under while, while he was under actually, yeah I mean, that, that's, you just you leave Gretchen uh, Mole on the table well yeah. I expected that the whole time because I kept waiting for like Al Pacino to be like hey you see my wife you gotta have a wife or you know like you should date so-and-so's cousin and then yeah. like well, I was the, really uh, surprised we never saw like we never saw Al Pacino pushing relationships on Donnie which I thought was kind of weird although I guess it makes sense if he like is that big of a loser and is that manipulative and you know like he gives him money and then he takes it back right away and then it's like awesome awesome scene awesome scene I love that part so that part also, the part I, where they're picking out the card is great too oh uh, man it's all uh, oh, the yeah. card that he throws away I don't know <laughs> but yeah I did kind of expect there to be like a love interest for Donnie or someone that like would pull him deeper into the mm-hmm. mob uh and I was really surprised that there wasn't any of that I, I think that I think you're absolutely right too because even if Lefty didn't call out Donnie for never being interested in women while they were out and about the rest of the guys probably would have like yeah Sonny or Madsen or Kirby or who what who what have you because they're they're having a great time they're dancing to disco with the ladies yeah although that does kind of like support my little pet theory that like if these people had been born like 10 years later or 20 years later they would be like at a games workshop playing a warhammer like they would (laughs) they would just be like the total biggest nerds that like (laughs) would you know the 30 year old dude painting uh his little like uh orc or whatever like this thing Al Pacino just has that vibe unfortunately yeah (laughs) great god bless it makes the movie work for me a little bit like Uh, I think we got to also I mean we'd be remiss if we didn't give him another shout out he won look of the week the the last time around but lefty look of the week I love all of his clothes they're great his his track (laughs) suits his jackets his sunglasses he's got it going on his, his, his fashion taste is on point yeah, he does, and he he spreads it around. He makes sure Johnny Depp starts looking the part. Yeah, get rid of those jeans. Get rid of that mustache. Start dressing like an adult. Yeah, you're not a construction worker. Yeah, start dressing like a Ukrainian guy at a discotheque circa 2003. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I think I mean 
I think this is, I think it's, I, I enjoy watching this movie. I think it's really fun to watch. Like it's a, it's breezy. It never felt, it, it never feels particularly easy. long. Yeah. It goes down easy to watch. Well, the end was pretty shockingly violent. I mean, I guess I just had been like in the mafia world for so long in the movie and nothing like violent had really hmm. happened that happened on screen. And then there's just that big giant murder Man. with men falling yeah. all over each other. I think that's a really interesting creative choice I, by yeah. holding it off until that point and Johnny walk or Johnny, Donnie, whatever walks yeah. in and sees them chopping off legs with a hacksaw. It's like, Oh, this is not, and- hanging out in florida with the boys yeah and not... they hand him a saw they yeah. hand him one, one of the knives they're like okay get to it and, and know, bruno kirby that. gets blasted in the head too oh god yeah like uh man how, how great would this movie be if uh it starts out with that scene you see johnny depp sawing off a leg and then suddenly it's like you know that like the... i always wanted to be a gangster yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah record scratch like yeah. you're probably wondering what i'm doing here yeah yeah, yeah that's me <laughs> yeah that's me i'm in over my head yeah. my name's joe pistone but you can call me donnie <laughs> <laughs> I do think, although, I mean, Al Pacino made a crazy choice by killing the guy who he thought was a rat in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was trying to, you know, show everyone, like, I'm not the rat, I'm loyal. But at the same time, like, just ergonomically, couldn't they have let that guy live through, like, butchering the other two guys and then killed him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, waste of, just like, yeah, not- man Manpower, let yeah. it go. Not a lot of common sense in the mafia. Well, these guys, the, I mean, that is like, I think that one of the nice things about this movie, these guys are dumb. Oh, they suck. And it's like, it's like. It, they're not is, good. Yeah, they're not good at mafia. Yeah, they're not, they're bad at mafia. They're not cool. And then like the the one time you have violence, it's done in such a like, it is like, it's like a history of violence or whatever, where like the, the violence is so disgusting and like uncool. There's nothing. It's not like Scarface where it's like, like you want to be Scarface in the Scarface scene. And in this, yeah, he's like blasting everybody. You're like, whoa, dude, man. Yeah, like <laughs> but that, this one, you're like, oh, yeah, you guys. Way, in, in this, yeah, and this one, it's like, this is gross. Like, it's just yeah. like, I'm gonna have a giant man fall on me. I know. Well, first, yeah. it starts off. It starts off funny because they initially are like, oh shit, and then they <laughs> start getting shot, uh, and then they just keep getting shot, and then like the cries get louder and like sadder, and you're like, oh, oh god. god, yeah. yeah the, the screaming is just so much. Yeah, uh, yeah, the and like. Is a lot. Michael Madsen, ostensibly the leader, is the one the big guy falls on. Oh, God. He's like, get him <laughs> off me! Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, this movie was directed by the same dude who did four uh, four weddings and a funeral, which is... Yeah. Mike yeah. Yeah. Props. A, uh, yeah, solid journeyman director. Yeah, very, you know? yeah, very, yeah. All his stuff is very, like, yeah, and, you know, we need, like, people, like, you know, not everyone's gonna be, like, making, like, Roger Deakins cinematography. Yeah, we, they're, they're not all yeah. Scorsese. Yeah, they're all overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. Do you guys want to just uh, get on down to the? I think so. I think yeah. we should. Yeah, I think. Well, that, wait. Uh, are we oh. going to do our person? Who yeah. Was the star? Okay. Cool. We'll I, do that right we, now. Right oh, now. Thank God. I'm so excited. Yay! So, uh, uh, audience favorite segment. I, I think that's safe to say. Um, the John Cazale supporting player of the week award goes to, as we all know. Al Pacino has a lot of great co-stars in all of his films. Uh, this week, no different. Uh, Patrick, I'm going to send it to you first. Mm-hmm. Who um, is your John Cazale supporting player of the week? Man, you know, uh, 
it's it's rough. Like these movies both have actually some interesting, you know, and more than you would think for either. Um, you know, I'm gonna give mine to Bradley Whitford. <laughs> I really liked him instead of a woman this time around. He was such a slime ball. And I and he was kind so, of the voice of reason. Yeah. Oh, the totally the voice of reason. And well, the thing is, like, you get the sense that the director is like, uh, you're making too much sense. So can you like can you like uh, tone up your sliminess by like 50% so people hate you more? And, yeah, people like, forget that in the 90s, Bradley Whitford like really was a great slime ball. He's become kind of a lib hero on Twitter and uh, like profess- professorial in a yeah, sense. He's like kind of like his get out character a little bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I love. But yeah, classic sleazeball in the eighties and nineties. Oh, totally. Uh, good. Yeah, good. Like, yeah, corporate stooge. And yeah, uh, yuppie asshole. Yes, 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 yes. And yeah, he's really good in this. I liked him in this movie a lot, and he shined in his like one little scene. So I'm giving it to old Bradley. Nice, nice, uh, Maria. Who would you like to give your John Cazale Supporting Player of the Week award to? Okay, I'm giving this award to someone who had good attitude who was happy to be in every scene that he was in that had lines that could have been given to a child. You know what? (laughs) He did those lines and he did them well and enthusiastically. And I love thinking about Paul Giamatti sitting at home in his apartment saying, so what does it mean? Forget about it. (laughs) (laughs) What a great exposition moment. I'm sorry. Every time you see Paul Giamatti on screen, he is thrilled. He is so happy to be there. He is an FBI cat and he is listening in. But yeah, he's just having the best time. I wish that he'd been in the movie more. I loved him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, that could have been another fun thing to lighten up Donnie as well to have Tim Blake and uh, Paul Giamatti there as his guys, as his like tech team all the way through. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like the Tom, the Tom Arnold and uh, Grant Heslov to his oh. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <sighs> Yeah, again, I mean, we love true lies around here. Um, (laughs) And then we could have had, we could have had him have to face someone after what he did to that waiter in the Japanese restaurant. Yeah. That part, yeah. That was like a rough scene, a rough scene. That is like the one part of the movie where they try to like have Johnny Depp realize the ramifications of what he's doing. Diddy Curb stomps him anyway. Yeah, it's like, ugh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny Depp. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Danny. Johnny Danny. I can't. I don't know when the, the character begins and the, the star I hate when that, I hate when that happens. A real Joker type thing. Oh, he Jokerified. He got Joker. Yeah, Johnny Brosco is the Joker. Yeah, Johnny Brosco is the Joker. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, yeah, I, 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 think, I think you're absolutely right. Giamatti's performance in Donnie Brosco personifies what we are looking for. Yes. in the uh, John Cazale Supporting Player of the Week Award. I am going to give it to, and I think, you know, I, I've alluded to it, but I have to give, I think I have to give Chris O'Donnell a shout out this week. He holds his own against a brick wall of an acting partner in Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman. And he he's the one who actually makes it emotional. I think he's the reason why we do care inexplicably for Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade by the end of the film. So Chris O'Donnell, congratulations. I, I, you know, I know you needed it after 10 years on CSI Los Angeles, making a ton of money, (laughs) but you needed that little extra support. Hell yeah. 
So, um, moment of truth. What film? This is this is the semifinal, the second round. This will be the winner of the Hua region of the Academy Academy's Al Pacino tournament. This film is going to move on to play. Um, safe to say, tournament juggernaut, Dog Day Afternoon. Um, but is it going to be Sen of Woman? Is it going to be Donnie Brasco? Patrick, I leave it to you to vote first. Man, uh, it's, you know, I, I so came into this. I'll be real. I so came into this wanting to be the little stinker again. The one yeah. the, the, the stinker who voted for Devil's Advocate. Uh, trademark ro- <laughs> trademark role. Yeah, trademark role. Hashtag little stinker. Uh, that's property of Patrick. No one else can be called a little stinker but me. There but, are uh, no one. There are none others. Yeah, I am. <laughs> it's like a Highlander. I am the yeah. little stinker. Uh, yeah, you have to kill. No, don't don't hunt me down. <laughs> Some other little stinker comes at me. <laughs> no. Oh my <laughs> God, that's Josh Gad. No. <laughs> 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 oh, I am gonna get killed by Josh Gad. That's my destiny. I love it. I love it. I take it back. I want Josh Gad. Find me. We're gonna. We'll meet in Valhalla, <laughs> brother. Uh, but. <laughs> But uh, oh, I'm sorry, man. Josh Gad in the Johnny Brasco role, though. <laughs> oh, Think about that. But he has to be doing his Olaf voice. It's like it's it's me. I'm I'm Johnny Brasco. <laughs> like a lot of vocal fry. Yeah, do a whole cartoon with that voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Film is seven minutes long. It ends with Josh Gad face down in a fucking river. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't kill me. <laughs> Oh no, God! Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I wanted to be the little stinker. I wanted to vote for Son of a Woman because, like, I feel like to me, Son of a Woman, at least before watching it the second time, like that movie is the epitome of hua. Like this movie is like, like that's what this whole bracket's all about. And Donnie Brasco, uh, great, great performance. But the more we watch it, the more we realized, you know, it's more subtle than the typical hua performance. Like there's like there's like a depth to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but. Man, like as entertaining as the Al Pacino performance in Son of a Woman could be sometimes, like the second go through, like it wasn't like with Mamma Mia, where like it's with Mamma Mia, you watch it the first time, I'm like, I don't know what this is. Second time you watch it, you're like, I've, I'm, I'm in the mouth of madness and I love it. Like, you know, I could watch Meryl Streep dance in this weird, <laughs> in this weird Greek island forever, uh, this horny Greek island. But like with this movie, it's just like, it's two hours, almost three hours long. It's just a, it's just, it's very, it's super long. Al Pacino's craziness. It's impressive how long he maintains it, but like, it just like, I don't know. For me, it's like, even though the first time I watched it, I was with him at the end. The second time I couldn't get over the fact that he like pointed a gun at like, chris o'donnell's kid charlie and like we're expecting to still like have empathy for this man like the movie he should have went to prison like fuck this guy like the i feel like i didn't earn it didn't earn the ending it had with what it gave us so um i gotta give it to donnie brasco okay okay uh i will go next um you know Scent of a Woman, I think, kind of holds the same spot in this tournament that the Iron Lady held in our Meryl Streep era. Both won the both won Academy Awards for their performance. Both impressively bold and weird. Um, in and both are extremely flawed films. Now, I'll take Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade any day of the week over real life villain Margaret Thatcher. But 
as Patrick said, I mean, he's at, it's impressive that he's at a 10 the entire way through, but it's so tonally all over the place. And if one thing we've learned about Pacino's best performances is he can go big, but it has to kind of make sense in like a, in a strange way. Like if you look at his work in like, for instance, heat, like everything Vincent Hanna does makes sense in a strange way for his like methods and that sort of thing. If you look at his work, uh, how big he goes, even in dog day afternoon, it all makes sense or how much he's holding back in, you know, Godfather two or Serpico. Um, this one, he's showboating. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And on the flip side of that lefty might not be as like big. It's not Serpico. It's not dog day. It's not, um, godfather it's not this like defining leading man role but it's really in my opinion and i guess this is you know my science it's really good acting i think uh he gives us everything with lefty and if you know maria made so many good points about kind of johnny depp being a little not at the same place as Pacino yeah. and so it means that the emotional through line of the film in which you have to believe how conflicted Donnie is in wanting to save Lefty's life is really in Pacino's court to kind of make that emotion and you care about Lefty and you don't want Donnie to like let Lefty die and I think they accomplish it completely I'm totally engaged I'm totally believe that um you know, I totally want Lefty to make it, even though Lefty's a murderous loser. Um, so my vote is also for Donnie Brasco. So Maria, on to you. Oh, both gave really compelling arguments. And I came into here thinking one thing, but now I think I think a different thing. Wow. So I think the better movie overall is Who Ya Son of a Woman. Oh, but I think the better Al Pacino performance, which is what this show is about and is asking, is in Donnie Brasco. I think the only part of the Donnie Brasco performance that suffers is because Johnny Depp for me isn't believable, has no emotional core. And I don't believe, I don't know why, I don't know why Lefty would die for him. I know he would. I believe it that he would. And he does die for him. But, but why? You know, like what yeah. at all does Donnie Barasco bring to the table besides like smoldering good looks and <laughs> general silent type and cowboy boots? I, um, yeah. I stand by Paul Giamatti being a better Polly Brasco. Make it happen, folks. Have Paul you met Brasco? my beautiful son? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Giamatti, like, hey. <laughs> Hey, I would love, I, I mean, like, it, I guess that's the thing, is that Paul Giovanni showed so much heart and spirit, and, like, you mm -hmm. just wanted to watch him in the three lines that he had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You wanted to watch him in, like, the three lines that he had, whereas Johnny Depp had, like, I can't remember anything Johnny Depp said that was, like, that interesting yeah. at all. Yeah. Or iconic or had any heart or, like, as much spirit. I think Lefty, like, his performance like uh, Don said, was really moving and like subtle. It was a more subtle performance, but not too subtle. It, you know, it had shades and it had moments. And yeah, the moment at the end where he's putting all his stuff down, I'm like, God, this man's going to die. And I would, the only thing is if I was presented with that Johnny Depp, I would be running 
to Florida or Mexico or wherever. I would not go to face the mob to die. He's a company man to the end. A company man to the end, but I just don't think Johnny Depp was worth dying for. Yeah. But I don't think that says anything about Al Pacino because Al Pacino makes you be like, okay, but why? It makes you think about it more. Because so, you believe that he loves him. Yeah. So your vote, you got, uh, you, you're voting for Donnie. I'm voting for Donnie, even though I didn't think I was going to be. But the better Al Pacino performance is Donnie Brasco. 3 0. Donnie Brasco defeats. Scent of a woman. I Moving think we on. Know what needs to be said? Who 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 who, who, who are? Who are? Oh no! For, forget about. Do <laughs> 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 you two host a movie podcast? Uh, it was a, it was a sad hua. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, was like an otter. it was like a Viking funeral. Yeah, it, was, it was like the end of Terminator Two, and he's going into the lava pit, and he gives the thumbs up, but he says hua. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Donnie Brasco joins Dog Day Afternoon okay. in the semifinals, and what would be a fun matchup, I think. Oh yeah. I'm excited. That'll be fun. And uh, that was uh, Donnie Brasco versus Scent of a Woman. Our game this week is a very, very fun, very, like, I'd say, you know, kind of an easy, fun, kind of breezy game, if you will. And it's I Love Your Work. And this game is very simple. Al Pacino has worked with a lot of actors, but he has not, or actresses, but he's not worked with all of them. And I'm going to add something that I did not mention before when I when I presented the game. Al Pacino is a time traveler in this game. He can work with alive or dead if you uh. felt like it. So who would you like to see Al Pacino in a movie with? Patrick, why don't you head us off? Oh, man. Uh, you know what? It's so funny. Uh, the first thing that came to my head just now is um, I recently watched. This is going to be wild, but I recently watched a. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich's Targets. Oh, great film. Super good. Good movie. Uh, and I actually really like Peter Bogdanovich in that movie. Uh, he's like, it's a rare, like, you know, director, almost like playing himself, it feels like. Uh, yeah. But he's good at a, that. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's going to be a good Bogdanovich. But if you took out Peter Dog and uh, put in Al Pacino, like a young Al Pacino in that performance. Oh. That would be a lot of fun. I would love to see Al Pacino as like a hothead, young, hotshot director. That'd be mm. an interesting. Um, and then beyond that, I'm trying. I would love to see him perform with like, uh, you know, and I'm saying that like him, like you know, performing with Boris Karloff in that scenario. Um, yeah. But uh, just like I guess to answer your question more the way it's supposed to be answered, uh, like Daniel Day Lewis would be cool. No, oh, that'd be kind of interesting. Seen them, yeah. I've never seen them perform together, and Daniel Day Lewis seems like someone who uh, has like the total opposite. Like Al Pacino and Daniel Day Lewis seem to have totally, even though I feel like they do have similar. I guess they have similar acting styles, probably, but one is so much more like like Daniel Day Lewis seems so much more composed. Yeah. Than Al Pacino, and like just seeing like I I wonder how they would act off each other. That'd be like an interesting. I don't know. I'd like to see that because they, the, the, these two titans of film, you know, fighting each other and whatnot. That'd be fun. That'd be good. Yeah, so that's a fun matchup. Maria, who would you like to see Al Pacino act with? 
I'd like to see Al Pacino, a younger Al Pacino, act with Lauren Bacall. I oh. think Lauren Bacall would be a strong, no-nonsense partner for him. I think they both have a lot of presence um, that they could really ignite together. I think they would have really great charisma. And I yeah. feel like I feel like whereas we felt like Chris O'Donnell didn't always stand with or um, was acting at the same rate as Al Pacino, I guess, in Son of a Woman, I feel like with Lauren Bacall, it would be, yeah, two heavyweight dynamite players in the same room. That would be amazing. I, I like that. I think that they'd actually, I think you're right that they would have a lot of chemistry together. I think it would, they'd be a good romantic team. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't think it would necessarily be like an easy romance, but I think it would be like smart and intelligent and yeah. really fun to watch uh, both of their minds working. I think you could allow him to be a little uh, funny and charming too. Yeah, and she was too. I mean, she yeah. was great in uh, How to Marry a Millionaire. And I mean, it wasn't necessarily um, a comedy, but gosh, I can't, now I'm trying to remember it. Um, the one with the murder mystery on... Murder on the Orient Express? Yes. I feel like she had fun with that movie. Mm -hmm. That's a fun Uh, And I think she would have a lot of fun with him. Yeah, I like that team up. I think that's a really fun one. Uh, Like a Pacino is Poirot, maybe? (laughs) That would be funny. I would love a Pacino. I would love those. Someone call the studio who does Oh, He would. um, (laughs) That accent is just calling his name. He's uh, salivating. It's like a. It's like me. It's like me at Shake Shack. He would just be into it, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh God, yeah. Um, mine is like I've had just something in my head. Like, I want to see him uh, opposite Jenna Rollins in a John Cassavetes movie. I want to see him rolling with the rolling in the deep improv zone and the deep like weird human zones, like getting to scream and cry and wrestle around just i and i think that she'd be such a great she would have been such a they would have been such a nice team together and you could see him in the peter falk role in woman under the influence for instance or um she's not in this one but this certainly is one of the husbands in the film husbands i think he'd be i i you know i post um actors vision pacino i just really like I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of him kind of hanging loose and getting a chance to like kind of feel it out and improvise and the little less structured type movie. So I think I would have loved to see him in a Cassavetes movie opposite General Rollins. Also on the subject, just of Peter Falk and Cat, like just Al Pacino is Columbo. God damn. Yeah. I think that this gets back to the Poirot thing though. Like Al Pacino in just kind of a rumpled detective. Yes. Like solving crimes or whatever, like a knives out situation. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that when you were saying, "I love your work," because I was like, "Oh god, I hope he isn't in that new knives out movie." Yeah, Everyone and their mom is in that movie. <laughs> I just like announced. I just saw an announcement that Rowan Atkinson is in it, and I'm like, "He better be fucking playing Mr. Bean." Yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> Either that or his character from Rat Race, the Italian. Uh, <laughs> God, what is Patrick that? is going to scream if he hears Rowan Atkinson's voice, and then he's going to talk to a manager, and then the yeah. hire manager, the regional manager. He's going to talk to the manager of all the goddamn AMC's. How dare you play that man's voice for me? <laughs> that man only has speaks one language, and it's Pratt Falls. 
well, that was that was I love your work. A fun, just breezy game. Uh, but thank you so much, Maria, for joining us on today's episode. This uh, was good this was we, we had the giggles during this thank episode. You. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I feel like I trailed off more than I usually do, but um, I really appreciated your kind listening and your inability to say the correct catchphrase for the right movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean that's that's on me, and I mean it's a. <laughs> it's on both of you, Don. Yeah. It's on it's, both. Well, of you. Yeah, we we you, ha- you do need to remember this. This episode started with the Academia, so. Yep. Uh, man, well, this is something. I, assume, I thought I was coming on a podcast, and we were going to do lots of catchphrases. So I was ready with who we had to get about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, this uh, is one thing we'll never forget about. Forget about it. Yeah. Uh, man, if only. If only. Well, thank you so much. It was a blast. Um, Patrick, before we head out, is there any anyone or anything you'd like to thank for this episode? Uh, oh, man. I just want to thank uh, uh, those uh, Bush administration stalwarts, uh, David <laughs> Frum and Bill Crystal, for keeping our, our, our boys, our Baird boys, uh, you know, in their nice, cushy pos- uh, positions of power. Hashtag resistance. Hashtag, yeah, hashtag resistance. Hashtag uh, uh, Baird boys bad. Uh, triple B. Uh, I want to thank. Uh, I want to thank uh, desolate, uh, like almost post-apocalyptic New York for allowing yeah. a nice blind Al Pacino to drive through it, to saunter through it. Uh, no casualties. Just a, a world where only, like, I guess it's the population is to a, 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 a boy, his father's figure, and a cop. Uh, yeah. Who was in the Coast Guard? Yes. Oh, in the Coast Guard. True. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank. Uh, I just want to thank uh, bullies. We love bullies here at the Academy Academy. Yeah, I gotta uh, thank the bullies. We gotta thank a bully. You know, I'm, I'm wedging. I'm wedging someone in your honor, bullies. Uh, and you know what? I gotta thank uh, fun side characters that we'd rather have as the protagonists. I'm talking to you two. Blake, Paul Giamatti, and Tim Blake Nelson. And you know what? Tim Blake Nelson and Paul Giamatti, it's past your damn tab- bedtime. Go to bed, Paul Giamatti and Tim Tim Blake. I I gotta thank um, the Justice for Ed movement. <laughs> you know, because it's a movement now. It's uh, a, right, it's yeah. going. Uh, I gotta thank the uh, all those dang kids running the Academy Awards. Yeah, those little goofies. <laughs> I love um, no thank you to hideous mustaches. Get out of town. Get out of town. Um, I got I to gotta give a big shout out because I got a big ski vacation coming up at Sugarloaf Mountain. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not talking about Sal Pacino or David Pacino. And certainly not Dustin Pacino. <laughs> I gotta thank uh, Keanu Reeves' casual driver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and um, a couple of uh, oldies but goodies um, that just came to my came to my heart and came to my head. Didn't first time, not the last time. Aaron Sorkin. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, did not we didn't hear from him this time around, but maybe yep. sometime soon. And oh, what a bread, Michael <laughs> Wilkinson! <laughs> what a bread! What a bread! Fresh bread! Oh, and thank you all, the listeners. Uh, next week, the Insider versus Scarface. 
oh, I can't wait to rewatch these ones. I have not gotten to them yet. Oh, same. Um, I'm excited too. Both are available to rent at on all of the regular streaming services. Both are regularly available on Blu-ray. I will be watching the old DVDs from my collection, but I'm I'm stoked. I don't know who's going to win that one. Um, yeah. Take I your mean, bets. Let us know on Twitter. Yep. So for uh, for Patrick, for our guest Maria, uh, this is Don. Uh, have a good one. Forget about it. Forget about it. Who are? Oh, no, no, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs>